Right, so today we have an interview with Derry Farrell, bazooki player, singer, um, number <laughs> one bad. Irish folk star in in our house. Um, the one of the happiest moments in my life to date, and I'm 51, and there's room for many. Is driving my daughter Rosa back from a swimming lesson, and she started singing. Uh, some jolly sportsman, Pomroy uh, from Kickstown, Dan Gannon, and likewise the boy. And she sang it. I was like, wow! Pull over and give Fantastic. her a hug. My, my Irish music indoctrination of my children is uh, starting to tickle. Then my, my son, Pietro, asked me, and what age is Brendan? Four? She's five. Five. Uh, actually, she was four at the time. Yeah. Um, and then my, my, my son, Pietro, said, is Brendan being still in jail? <laughs> Uh, just that Dom has been a huge fan of Derry for as long as I've known Dom. The Craig and White Hair is actually one of the one of the songs that put me back on this exploring Irish music uh, trip that I'm on currently. When Derry actually said he was happy to sit down and do a podcast with us, it was like you're kidding. Like this is the guy that had us in the, had me and Dom sit down for the first time and I started talking about this stuff. He is. An absolute legend. He's a funny bugger. Um, so interesting. His story is is fantastic. And he, yeah, he, he looked after us for that weekend. Mm-hmm. He was here. He was here for the um, Port Ferry Port Ferry Festival, and we got to spend some time with him down there. And and uh, he introduced us to some fantastic people down there as well. So played a gig at uh, played a gig at Pistol Pete's in Geelong as well, which was cracking. Yeah, yeah. Um, w- uh, one other thing about this interview, um, when we spoke to Derry. It was just after Keith Flint died from the prodigy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and um, just pointing that up because then the beginning of this conversation will make a bit of sense because before we started talking, um, I'm an Derry, old raver. Derry nipped into the house uh, to get something from yeah. his from his um, bazooki case, yeah. and that's. Just I'm a, a hipster and an old raver, so I both have records and an interest so, in nineties dance music. Keep the prodigy in your head as we begin the we begin this chat. Tear the tremble with fear 
as she stood on her hind legs, she would raise her big ears. As she stood on her hind legs with one gallon of spring, she jumped over the greyhounds and broke through the ring. Will that chase it went on, it was a beautiful view, as swift as the wind over the green mountain flew. But those dogs soon came back and it made Barney sigh. Then there came another man, and you all know him well. His name it was Pat Devon, with funny black nails. I'm in search of a white hair today. I'll have fun. I'll bet fifty to one my black bell will her turn. But five turns the hair got then from funny black bell, and the sixth one it was given around John Hockey's well. It was there we lost sight of the hair and the dog. Then ten minutes later they came for the black fog. Will that cheese have been done? It was great for to see the right hair and black dog both around light and free. Did she travel to Esker where she knew the lands well? And to Bunny Black Bella, there soon bid farewell. And now to conclude and finish this rhyme, I hope you forgive me for singing this a while. If there's any amongst you up in Carrickmore Fair, please drink up a health to that funny white hair. Wow, that's fantastic. Derry Farrell, thank you so much for coming on and being on the show. Uh, I love what I'd love to do is just tell you how much it means to have you sitting here with us. Um, about a year and a half ago, well, I met Dominic. And that's me. Yeah. <laughs> and when we started to have a chat, we were put together because the fellow who put the two of us in contact with each other said, Oh, Darren, you're into banjo and that kind of thing. You should, uh, there's a fellow from Seattle moving here. You should get in contact with him. And I was thinking, oh, this fella's going to be a bluegrass fella or he's going to be an old-time happy days, someone local to have a jam with. I said, no, he's an Irish fella. Right. I went, oh. And then instantly I felt this panic going, oh, no, he's an Irish fella. He knows he's going to load loads of Irish music. I know no Irish music. Oh, shit. Anyway, I got in contact with Dom and then we started to hang out and he's, we're trading a few things back and forth and he said, listen, I've got to send you this track. So he sent me a link to... Um, Craig and my hair oh, really? okay. and that was the moment I was like oh Jesus like this is blew me away yeah. and that was the the moment of kind of you know what for me I know I need to to go towards it more and actually seek out stuff because it's not going to just fall on my doorstep and mm. bow on heads in Australia you know what I mean yeah. how did you get into playing uh, well most of the, <laughs> the traditional stuff I don't know was that the first kind of music you played would have been the first kind of music, really. That I, I, I had an eclectic kind of mix of music that I used to listen to when I was a young lad. I was up in your kitchen that time, going. I went into the loo and I saw that you had the experience by Prodigy. It's one of the first LPs actually that I owned, and uh, I love them, uh, and I love them even more. It's a pity this week I kind of love them even more. Yeah, you, you, you kind of get a, a a sense of. Sometimes you get a little sense of uh, long. Lo a sense of a feeling of like loneliness when you're on your own and then like something like that happens especially it kind of hits you it doesn't really matter to me like I mean that, that Keith died but it kind of does at the same time because it's like a part of my childhood died because that's what it was we was actually the first tape cassette that I ever bought was uh, The Experience that's and same, yeah. it was a tape cassette and I had a Walkman and I used to listen to it on the Walkman and what I'd do is uh there was a setting on it that you could set it to go faster or slower. Yeah. And this is a really cool walk, man. And I remember being in Glendalough Hostel uh, with me dad after doing the Wicklow Way, doing a bit of the Wicklow Way and coming back and sticking the Walkman on 
slow to show the lads like you know because there was about 20 of us and we were all from Crumlin and, and listening to it and they go oh man that's mad like that's mad how did you do like I'm I'm really showing my age here, like, but that's what I—that's what we used to do. So, so I'll have to show you when we go in. I don't know when the last time you had a look on the inside of the because it was the class. same. I had the tape and that, that, that picture. No, that's, that's the that's, that's the, the second the generation one. That's yeah, the yeah. one. The experience has the four characters. It's the cartoons and it that's has right. yeah. like it's digital writing or made to look like that kind of digital writing. It's like a Leroy MC and it has all his units <laughs> yeah, of yeah, power. Yeah. I remember that cassette just looking through it. I used to just listen to that and just look at those pictures. Like I remember the, that font. I could have like, the prodigy front on that experience album. Yeah. I knew exactly how to draw that. You could draw Every that school out, book oh, was just. <laughs> it's class. Yeah. I must get a look at it. I do remember the second one, and then I kind of had them all from from then. But I'd listen to that right now. This is the God honest truth. And then my next door neighbour at the time, his name was Jamesy. Uh, I palled around with his young fella, uh, Anthony. Uh, he had three young fellas, but. Anthony was my mate, he was nuts. This guy was a proper crumbling head, he was crazy, right? And I loved him for it because I was a bit mad myself. But James, he used to give me in LPs over the wall of Pavarotti because uh, his second name was Augusta, so he was kind of Italian. And he used to say, have a listen to this, stick that on now and have a listen. That's a real singer, not like that crap that he used to, to be listening to up in the room, you know? Which was the prodigy and Rage Against the Machine. And uh, he was... Gussie, we call him, Anthony Augusta Gussie, I call him. He was really into um, Nirvana, but really into Kurt Cobain. So he had kind of stuff that you wouldn't really hear. And then he was mad into hardcore music as well. So I was kind of monkey see, monkey do. I was following him. So this is the type of stuff I was listening to. And then in the evening time when it was time to come in, my mad come out and call me and I'd go back in and I'd say to me that, well, I was, I was just obsessed with music. I was, I always remember it now. I always, I didn't notice at the time, but I was always obsessed. And my dad used to pour on this song that Andy Irvine used to sing with Planksty called Time Will Cure Me. I don't know if you ever, I remember listening to it and it was kind of like, I always would would say to myself, I know that sounds like very like music that I know. That's very kind of disturbing, kind of mandolin playing in the background, and what it sounded like for me was The Exorcist. Do you know the music to The Exorcist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, it's kind of like do 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 do. It's kind of that kind of a. It's it's not like it at all, but it reminded me of that. It, so. Kind of, I, I still didn't know, like, yeah, I still so didn't know. So was like I was of it. or something? Like I was haunted by music because I, I knew this kind of, I couldn't explain it. And it was like it was all getting stuck in here and in here and I couldn't explain it. And I was like, there's nobody even around that I can talk to about it because no one has a clue. Like there's Mick Owen, there's Scott Dunn and there's Mucker, me mate Mucker. And these are all mad. These are, we used to all stand on the corner with our dogs and stuff like, you know, and just kind of go walking up through Drimna, see if we could get a fight or stupid we yeah. were. And then there was all this music stuff going around in my head, you know. We used to go home. So we'd go out and be listening to all this. We'd have the ghetto blaster on the corner. We'd be listening to the prodigy and this and that and everything else. And next day I'd go down to Gussie. He was a bit older than us, so I used to go down and just pal around with him on my own. And he, uh, I remember talking to him years later, I remember talking to him like kind of a good few years later and him when we would be out having a few points and he'd say, oh, I was the same when I was young for the dairy. He'd say, oh, I was the same when I was your age. I would have this. He said, that's what kind of prompted him to buy a guitar. And then when he bought a guitar, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young all the way. Right. I mean, I used to come in, I used to wake up in the morning and I go out to my back garden because we lived in a council estate. <coughs> he'd have his window open and you'd hear what the hell is that like and it was this acoustic guitar kind of like you know chestnut brown canary I was like whoa that's cool like what's that even about so I used to go into him and he'd say I don't know who cares who cares they were out of it shall look and then he'd show me a video of them at Woodstock and it was like their break was Woodstock like and I was just blown away by it and then I got into kind of like you know all that different stuff like Jimi Hendrix played that an amazing set there and it was it was all that kind of stuff that I was into so it's kind of always kind of veering towards folk really with Crosby Stills and Nash even though it was electric but it was kind of acoustic for like two or three acoustic guitars and these guys singing mental harmonies and I was like this is class stuff and then back to my house in the night time and me dad might put on a bit of the body band and there's Paddy Keenan and he's lashing out the pipes didn't know what they were and then the first time I heard the After the Break album, like, I, I was 
oh, I was like, what? I need to listen to that again. That was too much in that now. I need to, and, and sorry, and put it back again and listen to it again. Listen to Farmer Michael Hayes one more time just to hear which is kind of like 5-7 kind of into 6-8 back into and it kind of goes from 5-7 into this kind of a mental time time but falls back into 6-8 again for doodle 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 one two three four four six one imagine knowing all that but not being able to explain it or or say it out like that's so frustrating right it's it's just like you can I know what's happening but I can't so so then I got a guitar uh, I was I was bought a guitar for for me me kind of birthday or whatever you know they to buy me something so they got me a guitar and I was messing around I was doing a bit in Nirvana and stuff like this and it was kind of going on like that and I do whatever the boys would like they'd come around and uh, Blur and Oasis were big at the time so I learned a couple of Oasis songs wasn't really into Blur we weren't in Crumlin like we, us anyway our few lads weren't. <laughs> there was a couple of lads up around on Bangor Field John Milney and that he was a super guitarist his dad was a great drummer but he was into Blur and he could play everything he could play the master plan so like we all like a couple of us that I, I had my own mates <clears throat> that were all mad but I used to go up around to John because he played the guitar he was also mad but he used to play the guitar and I'd go up to him and he was great he'd go up and we'd just sit in his bedroom and he'd play the master plan and then I'd bring my guitar around and he'd say try and play it and I felt really uncomfortable bringing my guitar out and stuff even outside the house like I was really nervous young fella like you know what was that just was that's the way I was it's like, just a bit like me mad you know what I mean I was just kind of a bit shy I still am I can kind of would be sometimes still a bit shy although it kind of it's kind of starting to leave me but uh, I, he had there was no like I think 50% of being a musician is confidence and John had all the confidence like and he was good on the, the cards and stuff you could see he was a practiced fella he would sit down and practice them so he knew them there was no way that he couldn't know them you know uh, whereas other people I've seen since then where it just comes to them and they can just do it but we'd sit there and we do that and then uh, I picked up the guitar one day and I just started going when midnight comes and people homeward tread and I was thinking how do I know that song and I knew it because it was Christy Moore and I knew it because like of, you know uh, and then he'd do these chords and, but I had already kind of got a bit of knowledge on the guitar I'd already taken in some so when I'd see Christy doing a chord on the on the guitar on the TV I'd say that's wrong like that's not a full D chord why doesn't he just do a full D chord because that's his way right that's why and uh, he makes the guitar sing but he does it his own way and then I knew that I, I didn't just have to play the same way as Oasis or Nirvana or Kurt Cobain or anything. I could do my own thing and then I started kind of doing my own thing and I, so then I that's so I was about 16 when I started actually practicing the same time I started uh, going to these classical uh, guitar lessons because you know, like I had to do something to get a grade you know and I went and started going to these guitar lessons with a fella called Bernard in in uh, Musician Inc. in town, George George Street, and uh, he was he was good. He was great, and he gave me there was ten lessons, right? So there was ten weeks. So in this ten week span, I had went from leaving school to getting a job as an apprentice electrician, right? Yeah. So in around the fourth or fifth week, I was at the getting the job, and the boom was happening in Dublin at the time. So I was working in a, a factory making switch gear, which is your MCBs and your RCDs and everything yeah. that powers all these lights and stuff like that. So it was doing that. And it got really intense and really heavy over the, the next three weeks. So I was kind of six or seven weeks doing the, the lessons. I started, I was really enthusiastic, but because the job was taken over, I kind of stopped being so enthusiastic and I was in. I was sweeping up on a Saturday and Sunday to keep up with the lads from Monday when they come in and stuff. And, and uh, I went in. I remember going in on the ninth lesson and your man saying to me, uh, you either want to do music professionally or you want to be an electrician. He says, one or the other. He says, because you have it. He says, you're starting to figure it out. He says, what do you want to do? And I says, I want to make money. Like, you know, because I was 16 and I thought I knew everything. So I threw the last music lesson there. Let's just say he didn't give me the last music lesson. Right, that's what happened. He was there, but he never came out to me to give me the lesson. Well, that that day, was a, right? bit, a bit of a knock. No, it wasn't really a knock. It wasn't a knock because I didn't care. Right, yeah, because right. I wasn't... You hadn't put yourself I wasn't there. here yet. I, yeah. I wasn't here yet. I didn't give a sh crap, like, you know, so I was just like, whatever. Try not course for the podcast, right? I didn't care. I did not care for that. So uh, I went on anyway, and uh, I just kept playing the few cards that I knew, you know, and it was grand. And uh, next thing I come out with a Spanish classical piece, 
and like in a session or, or like if I was messing around with John Mooney and stuff like and they'd be like oh what the hell so uh, I picked up the Bower on then because I saw Christy playing on the TV one night and it must have been the next Christmas I saw him well I remember saying to me dad specifically saying to me dad oh, I'd love to be able to do what he does so what my dad and what you have to be careful what people pick from what you say and I've learned this a lot especially talking into microphones all the time is that uh, my dad thought that I meant I wanted to play the Beuron, so he bought me a Beuron. But what I meant was I wanted to be able to do what he done. He was so good at just capturing an audience and just holding them there. You know, he was really good. Obviously, he was the best at the time, and that's what I meant. But I got the Beuron, so I had a guitar and a Beuron, and then because I had the job, I was making a few quid. I was able to buy a mandolin and a banjo and. I bought all these instruments and I had them and I was kind of after getting a bit of knowledge I knew what a bazooki was now this this stage like so I figured all this out and uh, I went on and then next thing I uh, I got myself a, a vintage banjo off this fella in Kerry called Paul Evans I remember buying the, the vintage banjo off him and it was a, a, a Lang banjo <clears throat> so about 1925 and he threw in this bazooki that he had uh, yeah, it was kind of like an octave mandola. It was kind of like a small... It was a bit bigger than that mandolin. It was a little bit smaller than that bazooki. But it was a really crappy one. But it was nice when it was made in California. And I had it. And I remember playing it on the way from Kerry back up to Dublin. Playing it. But I knew that like it, up here in around the 12th and 13th fret and stuff, it was the intonation was out. So I dropped it into a shop in Dublin City. I won't mention the shop. And I'll tell you why. Because uh, I dropped it into the shop to get fixed. And the bazooki was robbed out of the shop in town, right? <laughs> And uh, then the guy in there, he said to me, look there, he says, I'm really sorry, he says, but your instrument was robbed. He says, pick a bazooki off the wall and you can have it. <laughs> so he gave me a bazooki off the wall and I've always said that I owe it to him for me playing the bazooki because he, he helped me he kind of by giving me that instrument. It was a countryman, it was a crappy old bazooki and I played it for about a year and a half and I started getting these gigs. Uh so, like, I mean, you have to kind of remember, this would have been about two years after I started my apprenticeship, so yeah. about two years in, and I was kind of, I was playing music, I was in sessions and this and that, and I was going, I had girlfriends and there was everything else, and then the music would get thrown there and come back to it. I served my time as an electrician, and I got a job as a foreman on a, on a site in Dublin City, and I was there, I worked as a foreman and kind of a, a fully qualified electrician for about... I think it was 11 years altogether. I think yeah, with right. the four years of an apprenticeship and then the five the, the five or six years uh, working on me tools, you know. And then uh, I was kind of getting fairly decent on the banjo. I was, I was able to pluck out a few tunes. And my boss came up to me one day and he said to me, look, there's no more work. And he said, don't take it personally. He says, there's no work for anyone. He said, so I'm going to let you go. And he did. And uh, the girl I was going with at the time... Uh, introduced me to this kind of a, a course she she had looked it up on the internet and got me going on this course uh, with Paul McGratton and a couple of different people Kjoltor and uh, I started doing that and then that was when that part of my life started up up this part of my life the, the music part I still hadn't sung up until this time actually lads which is a very important thing not at all I had like I would sing when I was really drunk maybe at karaoke or something like yeah. that seriously now and I wouldn't sing because that's, that's a bit I really wanted to yeah, get yeah, onto yeah. is how did you get to that? When I started in that college course, that first year, that was when I started singing. And I went in and I picked up the bazooki and I was playing it in the class one day. They actually still have this, the very bazooki because only three weeks ago I was playing it in that college. And uh, I started playing the, the bazooki and I was singing. I think it was, I'll go no more roving. I was trying to do that and play the piece at the same time, which is impossible, you know. <laughs> but... Uh, I, I was doing that and then Paul McGratton came in he was the lecturer on the college course and he said to me you're singing you're going to be singing now he says at the concert that's coming up the college concert so I went in and I started it's a, it's a massive big long story again probably double the length of that but I started singing in there and he encouraged me into it so this is a this is like a, a traditional music course mm-hmm. it's a traditional a performance music performance uh, a traditional Irish music performance uh, diploma that you can get in Ballyfermot Music, uh, Ballyfermot College of Further Education. There's all different courses. And it's kind of like an introduction course into music performance, if you will, if you yeah. want, you know. I uh, was lucky that at the time I went, there was great musicians on the course in their second year already. So it was a two-year course. So I kind of got very pally with the musicians in the second. Uh, I think when you're going in and you're a different age, when you go in and you're a different age, 
like I was 26 or 27 maybe when I started going in uh, I had a different angle I had already been an electrician I'd, I had a real job I would experienced real life so when You're I went in, in I went in for the kill I didn't go in to yeah. pass that course I went in because I knew I might need to be a musician so uh, I went in and I started doing it and I, I just started playing proper music I go home and I do proper practice on the whistle on the mandolin the banjo and the bazooki and I was learning all these songs and then I had enough songs together to do an album and I recorded the album with a fella called Alan Doherty and Robbie Walsh and to this day I still play music with them like I mean they're fantastic Alan would have been Alan was with Grada and he has the Aldock project and stuff like that you know fantastic musician and uh, I just started playing music and and um, but then what happened was as I was engrossed in college work so I couldn't actually do the music full-time yet because I had another four years I had another three years ahead of me after that that course where I started playing the bazooki so the first term was recorded there in the first two years of that diploma course and then the second and third year I done a degree in applied music which was really really testing it was very very hard uh, for me so i i kind of had to go back these were all kit these were all kind of guys that had done their leaving cert and done music i'd never done so this is all music cert. theory kind of stuff it's all that? really kind of nitty-gritty music theory stuff and yeah. i went and done it but i got through it like because the same thing i applied myself the same way as i did to the other two courses and to me apprenticeship and everything else that i'd done in life i just applied myself to it and i went and done it do you use that no sometimes yeah. yeah sometimes I do sometimes you know and it's good it's good to know like it's good to open a book and look and be able to kind of go oh yeah I see where yeah. where it changes there it's really good to be able to do that I'm not, I don't use it as much you know how to break the rules there I suppose when you, if I, I would be them. able to do it if I, if I gave myself a couple of clatters and said right let's go let's go we're doing this you know uh, but so that's where I, I went with that and then um, then I, I finished in, in Limerick and then I started up, we started up that band. Uh, I went on to do a, a master's as well, sorry. So I'd, I'd done the diploma, the degree, and then the master's in Limerick. And while we were in Limerick, we started up the band Four Winds, which I don't know if you've ever heard of them or not. But uh, my solo career was kind of going okay. I had had the first turn out at this stage a couple of years now, and people were asking me to release a new album and they were then they were begging me to please please do a new album so so I had mustered up this t- these 10 songs and I got working with a, a kind of an agency over in England uh, when I say agency it makes it sound huge it's not it's just one lady and uh, she started working with me but the thing about it is she really believed in my music Terry O'Brien is her name and she really believed in my music and she loved it and when you have somebody working with you that believes in your music it makes all the difference you know so she f- kind of forced me to make a second album yeah. which was True Born Irishman and then kind of the rest is kind of history after that like it just that was astonishing what happened with that album I mean I got two BBC Folk Awards I got awarded nominated for three and I won two the reason I always said the reason I didn't win the third one was because Chris Drever was in the mix like and who's going to never ever anyone will never beat him he is just a fantastic aura and it's just a he was be he would be a massive inspiration for me, like as well, you know, and uh, such a lovely guy. And he he got folk singer of the year that year, but yeah. I was nominated for it. Like you yeah. could never take that away from me. I was so proud of it, you know. So this did that. Uh, all, that almost happened pretty quickly then. Really quickly, it happened in a couple of years. Yeah, like even even down to the singing. Like I mean, this would be my tenth year actually singing like with a bazooki. So like, it's not that long ago, really, in the grand scheme of things, you know. Would you mind? Um, Maybe go to another, we'll grab a song and yeah, then sure. uh, we'll just have a few more questions for you after sure. that. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so I'll do another song for you. I'll do a song off the second album for you. And uh, the song is called Pat Rainey. And I'll sing that one for you because um, the Go- the Goalie and Singers Club is a very important part of my life, right? Uh, it's, it's an a cappella singing club that takes place on Friday nights in Dublin City in, on Parnell Square in the Teachers Club. Uh, Club in the Mount Hardy in, in uh, Dublin City and it's a f- fantastic place where you go there's no instruments everyone just goes and sings one singer one song uh, unless you're asked to join in you know kind of thing and it's it's a great night out you, some nights some nights it can be boring some nights can be really interesting uh, some nights for me it can be just 
so musically inspired and that I go home and I can't sleep after it. Like that's but that that's me. I'm a nerd. That's what it is. You know, you, you you could go in guys and you'd probably say, No, I'm out of here or the only reason I'm staying is because the point of Guinness is like eleven out of ten, like, you know. But uh yeah, that's that's why um like go in as many Fridays as I can. In fact I've stopped taking gigs on Fridays so that I can go just go in and sit down and listen. Great, great place. So uh <clears throat> yeah. So um I'll sing a song, uh fella in there wrote a song called Pat Rainey and it's the first song on the True Born Irishman album. And uh it's 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 about a traveller uh who played the Yellow Pipes and his name was Pat Rainey. He was from the travelling clan of Rainey and he would he kinda of based himself in around Galway and he'd just travel around from, from fair to fair, mending pots and pans and stuff. You see, that's the thing that I find fascinating about the travellers is that they never really uh, you know, or or old people from Ireland, like the the old kind of guys from Ireland, they were they were farmers first. Or they had a job force, and then they kind of played music in the nighttime, and they were just phenomenal musicians. Like, imagine had they applied themselves a little bit more to the music, how good that they might have been. But at the time when they were alive, it wasn't sustainable. You can't do that yeah. because because if you were caught practicing the bloody fiddle or the bazooki when you were meant to be out cutting turf, like no one would talk to you, you know. So you just got on with it, and you just don't. And this is what I always thought was. Phenomenal, like um, you know, my name is Pat Rainey. I'm a traveling man. I'll mend your old pots, or I'll make you a can. But the song was written because of how fantastic an Ilan Piper he was. Like he was legendary, this guy. And uh, the traveling style of piping is most definitely my favorite. Uh, I'm I'm fascinated by Paddy Keenan and Finbar Fury and these guys. You know, uh, especially Paddy. I've played with Paddy for years and. I've learned so much off him and had so many great laughs with him and and that so go on no I, I, I don't want to get down the rabbit hole before the before yeah. the song but I'm just really interested about like um, with with that style like how is it different than I mean can you is it possible to put it into words or is that it's just, kind is of, it just something it, you know when you hear you know, it no 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 it's not it's there's a there's a traveling style and they, they, there's a traveling style and you can read up about it and everything there's you know it's in the pebreal and if you go on you can read up about it there and stuff and they say it's more legato which is kind of it's kind of more boxy do you know yeah. whereas uh the likes of Seamus Ennis would have played it would have been more kind of free flowing or, or Kevin Rose or uh Leo Rosen would have played more kind of free flowing you know more it's it's hard it's hard it is kind of hard to explain but you can read like there's people that actually dedicated their lives to writing about this and you can read it like you know but when it's a totally totally different thing when you're sitting beside Paddy and he starts playing the pipes like it's totally it's there's nights where I've sat on a stage and I've and it's nothing to do with drink or anything it was to do with the actual music it's that infectious that I've I've sat on the stage nights when he'd been playing a slow air or something like that and I cried. I've actually cried, like, and it's just because he makes it so sad, and you can. There's a feeling. There's a feeling off it. That's. I, I kind of tend to get embarrassed when I'm talking about things like that because I don't want anybody to think that I'm. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be a musician or anything, or I'm trying to be artistic or anything like that. But there's a feeling. I I can't explain it, and it's just it's fantastic. That that's. I'd, I'd play music for free if I could have that feeling all the time I really would you know Cause it just takes you away from the crap in the world and stuff and he, he can do it anyway look I'll play this song for you Fall the Doll 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 uh, Pat Rainey and um, yeah it's so this was written by as I said Fergus Russell from the Golian Singers Club and it goes like this Travelling man, I'll mend your old pots or I'll make you a can. I'm prince among nomads, I'm king of me clan. Fall the doll, all, all, all day. I tramps down the road with my horse and me dog, and there's game in the fields and there's turf in the bogs. I sing like a lark as along I do jog. 
all the all 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 day. Well, I'll come by the river and I'll catch me a fish, and I've always got plenty to put in me dish. Me brogues and me short will I surely can stitch. All the all 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 day. I'll grab all of me pipes and I'll make for the town And I'll find me a seat and I'll sit myself down I squeeze on the bellow all the throng gathers around me Fall the doll all, all, all day I play Mrs. McLeod's and the wind in the gap And it pleases the crowd as they dance and they clap Well, many's a bright shilling they throw in me cap For me fall the doll, all, all, all day well, I'm fond of a drink, and I'm sure it's no crime To sit down in the sheen with comrades sublime I'll dance till the morning, I'm no slave to time Fold it all, 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 all day Well, the housewife each night she comes down from the farm And her husband, he gets cold, but I'm quite warm For here in the tent she Come to no harm, fall the dull, dull, dull day. But when winter comes around, for fear of the damp, I'll whistle me dog, and down the road we will tramp, and that housewife will sigh when she sees we broke camp. Fall the dull, 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 dull day. But when springtime comes around, I'll pass back this way, and I'll boil up me billy, and I'll have me some tea. I'll check in. The buffer has one on the way Fold it all, 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 all Travelling man, I'll mend your pots or I'll make you a can. My parents are all nomads and I'm king of me clan. Fall the doll, all, all, all day. Fall the doll, all, doll, fall the doll, all, doll, fall the doll, all, doll, all day. Fantastic. Sorry, so, what, what was the name of the uh, the singing? Uh, the Friday night singing vocal only uh, is it a club or is it just is it an open it's uh, an open it's an open thing it's, yeah. it's called Ongolian Singers Ongolian. Club yeah and uh, as I say it takes place in, in the teachers club on a Friday uh, Fridays Friday nights and it's it's just it's great like you never know who would be there so I'd say because one of the things I was going to ask you about is I love how you like a lot of your tunes and songs that you've that you've you've chosen they're pretty old like they're incredibly old songs and I love yeah. that you kind of you seem to be going back and pulling these things out is that is that where do you where I suppose the question I'm asking is where do you how do you what's your process for finding these songs is that I mean you know you could go up some nights to there to that place right especially that place you could go in and somebody might want to sing a song but they'll tell you a story about the song so they might say oh well I was reading through such and such a book last night and I'd say, God, I didn't know there was any songs in that book. And so I'd go home, I might have them, but you know, I'd have a certain amount of books or CDs and stuff like that at home. And I'd go home and I'd have a look through them and right enough, the bloody song would be in it, surrounded by 10 other songs that are legendary that you've never heard before. And I'd, and the words, them, some, sometimes the words will attack you. And then it might say underneath the song, it might say, to be sung to the air of such and such. And you go, God, that makes so much sense when you actually sing along to that air. And then next thing, all of a sudden, you know, there's two or three hours and they're gone out of your life because you've been sitting down. It's kind of, And it's just called having a, a musical hobby or a musical interest, I suppose. That's what it is. And you go in and basically when I go in there, I'm sharing it with like-minded people. Uh, and some of them I'd be very pally with. Some of them are bad. And you go in to see what they're going to do next or what they're going to sing next. And, and it's great. And there's people that, you know, it's, it's just... I just find it very interesting. I do. I, I used to go to nightclubs and stuff with me mates. Those guys that I was telling you about at the start. I used to go into nightclubs with them. and I remember going into nightclubs and stuff and this and that. And, and one night I was late coming into town. And I was going into Swampies and Rat Mines. And I went into Grace's instead. On a, it was a Saturday night. I went into Grace's instead. 
And when I went in there to Grace's, there was all these people that in five or six years' time, I was to play music with. But I didn't know at the time. I went in and stood at the bar and I had three points watching them. And they were playing a thing called a music session. I didn't know anything about that time, you know what I mean? I didn't know what a musical session was. They'd all come in for no money and sit down and just play and they'd go around in a circle like that and they'd all just play, he'd play a song, she'd play a tune, they'd play a song. Next thing, somebody jump in, they'd say, well, play a song, everybody join in. And I just thought that this was amazing, like, you know. So uh, it's just kind of, I just discovered it one night. I was told about it and I went. It's actually the first place that I ever sung an actual uh, a cappella song uh, was was Angolian Sierra Club, that place. And actually, I, my new album that I brought out just there a couple of weeks ago, uh, I launched it in Angolian Singers Club and it's the 40, it's actually the 40th year of Angolian Singers Club this year is, so it's gone 40 years, it's gone since before I was born (laughs) and I launched it in there and I thought it was very important that I launched it in there because it was, as I said, it was the first place that I ever sung a song, uh, not not Paddy's Green Shamrock Shore, uh, the the Shamrock Shore was the the song, oh ye brave young sons of Aaron's Isle, I hope you will attend a while and I I actually ended up recording that on the first turn. Uh, because of that place so I just got encouragement I remember singing it and I remember getting to the second verse and struggling and they all knew the words and they were whispering them in my ear and I keep singing and I got a massive big round of applause and I said I'll never miss another Friday night in here after yeah. that because they were just lovely people you know I'm definitely going to go have to check that out you have to come yeah, you have sure. to let me know when you're going I'll go with you yeah, I'm, over in, I'm over in August so I'll be marking it we'll, yeah. the flies they on stop for the summer unfortunately that's does the it? thing nah, yeah, yeah. they meet up all around Ireland but, yeah, you know, yeah. but like, it still kind of goes on unofficially like, but it starts back up again in around late August September Yeah. so just a question on that is then what what do you reckon the like, traditional music I suppose goes in flux right it's in fashion it's out of fashion mm. but it's always there and it goes what where is there, where is Ireland at the minute do you reckon because like, that I sounds like a healthy Ireland club is flying at the minute and it's got so many super groups it's got so many great groups like and, and singer songwriters and stuff that's coming out of Ireland are just amazing and my I, that new album that I've released has just gotten so much attention and everybody seems to be loving it and, yeah. and uh, it's kind of a little bit overwhelming and it's, it's great like you know really it's kind of it was. It felt really weird to have recorded the album in Ireland and release it in Ireland, and then have to leave straight away. Like it was kind of like I feel like my work here is not done. I feel like I need to do a few more CD launches and stuff. But I had to go because that's the way. That's the way it is, you know. Like Don Lunny and everything came that night, like and played with us on stage, and we just had great crack. He done nothing but laugh at me all night. He thought it was the funniest thing ever, and then. He had a few glasses of wine. I didn't. I couldn't have a drink that night. And I was saying to him, "You drink as many glasses of wine. Drink the whole bottle if you want." He says, "No, I'll drop you home whenever you want." And he just couldn't stop laughing. He was just. I mean, he got into the van and I dropped him and Peter Brown home at the end of the night. And the two of them kind of agreed. He said, "Like it was probably one of the best nights that we had in, in a long, long time." He said, "It was just so funny." He says, uh, "Donald said it was just so funny." He says, "You go to a normal CD launch and people are kind of quiet and everything." He says, "But everyone was shouting abuse was at you, dirty. You was like a roast." like the dairy farrel roast yeah. like, you know so do you reckon there are a lot more sessions around in general too like the, the, oh, like the singer song yeah, I mean, there's, there's at least five or six sessions any any given night that you could go to you know there's but when you were younger like because I'm guessing it sounds like the prodigy and when that hit me and you're pretty much the yeah, same yeah, age yeah, yeah. so uh, well, like, going up and draw it <coughs> A probably didn't pay any attention and my dad was into um, traditional plays a squeeze box and, and harps and stuff but I don't think he really I didn't I didn't recognise him playing it until I was in my teens and then I, I was at that silly age where I wasn't really interested anyway but there was, there was a couple of sessions in Drogheda but was you'd have to really know where they were and search them out was that the same like in Crumlin no I don't know well like I mean no there was there was definitely I remember going I used to ramble on into Devitt's on Camden Street and that was a place where, like, you know, Cozzy, Cormac Dermody and Rady Pete and stuff would come in and play and Luke Deaton and Andy Meany. And I'd go in and listen. I'd go in and sit at the bar and listen. And then they were the same age as me. Eventually, they'd say, come over and sit down. Don't be sitting at the bar with the elves. Like, come over and sit down in, in, the, in the, the circle, you know. So I'd come and sit down in the circle. And then it felt feel really awkward because these guys were super super musicians. The names now will come apparent who they are now in a minute, like you know. But we were only kids, like yeah. I'd sit in with them and I'd I'd 
start bringing me mandolin I'd start bringing me banjo and I remember the first week I brought me banjo and I couldn't keep up with them and I went home and I had to do an immense amount of practice to play one set of tunes with them the next week and it kind of gave me a load of confidence and then they were my mates like which was great so they kind of would introduce me to other sessions they'd say we're going to have a tune in the international bar on Wednesday if you want to come in and I'd just go in and it was kind of more about you know a few drinks and there was nothing was really serious about it and then next thing all of a sudden Lancome came along which was Cormac and Rady and, and you know the full set which was Andy was in the full set like and, and there was all these other kind of bands that kind of spawned from from there and it was really exciting like everything was kind of like whoa like I know them like and they're on the telly or they're on YouTube and I know them like it was kind of mad like you know never thought it would be me you know but like I just I just I remember seeing Andy me like playing the guitar or, or Cosy playing the fiddle or, or his sister Aoife playing the fiddle and, and and horror fella playing the flute and just going, man, these these are my mates, like these are the best musicians in Dublin. And for me they were, like, you know, yeah. And and they were, like, they were. And it was just it was just great. It's just great to still and I still know them, which is great. Like I still pal around with them all, you know. I'll be I don't see them as often as I wish I could because I'm on the road the whole time. But it's it's just great, like it's just and is the rest of the country lifting off in the same way? Or is it is Dublin I particularly think so. peaking? No, I think it is. I, I think it's like in the last couple of years it's lifted off. Normally you would expect the thing to kind of have settled, but I don't think it's settled yet. I think it's I think it's still up in the air and it's still really popular to play music, you know? Yeah. Mm. Can, can I ask you a quick question just about there? You, you know, you're mentioning there as well with with, with Donald Lonnie and uh, um, I know you had some back and forth with Andy Irvin mm. and I think he lent you a bazooki for a while or something. <laughs> yeah, I still have it down the house there. He gave me a bazooki. Yeah. St- he said to me, will you stop asking me for a go on my one? He says, if you really want one, I'll give you a Give you one, like you know, right? So, <laughs> so I mean, not to be, not to be <laughs> sounding starstruck or something, but it's it's pr- it's pretty amazing to find yourself kind of um, recording with those guys, right? And yeah. recording with Donalani. So, like, how did how did you approach that when you were first kind of working with? I mean, I were you bricking it? Oh, would you stop? Like, I mean, I, <laughs> like I met, I met, I remember the first time I ever met Andy Irvine. Was it, he was in Wheelands? I met him in the in the Urinal in Wheelands and I went and he was like yeah yeah he was like yeah okay I must go back on the stage and that was the conversation that I had with him right and you didn't mention the exorcist I actually just went that's what I done right so I didn't mention anything really I didn't say I didn't even say hello like you know I was shocked that he was standing beside me I was there in the urinal and then he came in and stood beside me and he said hello and he's been like that ever since with me. He's just, every time he sees me, he's just, hey, how's it going, Dirty? What's the crack? And we'll have a beer or we'll have a, a glass of wine or a chat. Or if he's doing his own thing, I'll just leave him. Or if I'm doing my own thing, he'll, he'll you know, the same thing. But he never, ever comes into a room without saying hello. Like, he's just a lovely fella. And, and that's the thing. A lot of them are just lovely, lovely chaps, you know. Uh, I, I would have met Donald for the first time in, uh, properly, like, you know. I would have met him in the music college in in Limerick in in the master's course in Limerick where he came in to do a two-day master course and just when he walked into class he said what do you want to what do you want to do and I says I want to fix it like I'm playing the song and I want to fix it you know and he was like yeah yeah cool okay play it there so I played it and then he said there's nothing wrong with that that's fine I says I know I said like I know there's nothing wrong with it but I, I what way would you play it? And he was saying, I'd play it exactly like that. I was like, no, no. I, I didn't want to hear that. I, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to see what Donald Lunny would do, you know. And then, it, but he just has a different way. It's, it's a different way and I understand it now. It, he would have a different way of showing you things and, and uh, so what happened was is the next day when I went in, it, the first day wasn't wasted by any means or anything like that but it was just, we had a great chat with him and a great chat about music. The next day when I went in, he started composing tunes and stuff with, with us like there was me and this other guy but uh then i saw what what he was all about and he was just oh, I was blown away by him like and so uh a couple of weeks later i was at home and i got a phone call off this number i didn't know who it was and it was donald he was at the getting me number from the college and he said there's a gig going he says uh, i'm doing a gig and he says i need a singer would you do it and i thought it was somebody messing you know so i was like yeah go on back off you go on out yeah. of that like and he was like no 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 uh really 
he says, uh, I, I, I got your number off Niall Keegan and I was just wondering, would you uh, be interested in doing So it was a project that he was doing of, of poetry, but in song, and I ended up doing it with him and I just hit it off from him. I have, he has kind of the same sense of humour as me and uh, I, I, I noticed everything. Like, it's just, a, you'd have an extremely pleasant time when I was hanging around with him. And uh, then next thing, just started... I, I said it to him one day, I says, look, would you be able to record an album with me? And he said, yeah, and that's the Lifetime of Happiness. That's what came from it. I think it's a gorgeous album. It's the first time I'd say that about something that I recorded. I think it's lovely. I still listen to it. And uh, God knows what's going to happen next. Well, I know what's going to happen next, but I'm not allowed to say anything. But like, uh, there's a lot coming up, Like you know? Yeah. It's not, by no means is it finished yet. And yeah, I just, I love it. I just, that's the main thing is that I still love it. The day Do you I get do you get a chance to play in any like when you're supposed you're, you're performing and you're a working musician? Do you get a chance to play in a set to play in sessions anymore? All the time. So I mean, yeah. You, like I mean, anytime that I'm not, anytime that I'm not uh, doing anything in an evening, I still go back into those places. Like it's still well, Devitts isn't isn't anymore. You know, it's kind of it's been it's been Temple Bard, yeah. it's been Temple Bard. You know, but but I do go into these places and I do uh, still play music. Like I'll st- you'll find me in the Piper's Corner. Yeah. You know, uh, or the cobblestone, maybe, or, or different places like that. You know, that's yeah. that's where I go, and it's just I actually just go if someone gives me a text and says, "Look, there's a tune or a song happening here. It's on. Do you want to come in? I'll just I'll just be there." You Have know? you had a chance to go to any in Australia? I haven't had a chance to go, and you know, as I say, I've just been totally sick since I got here. Like I've been violently bad, and uh, today and yesterday are probably the first two days that I have felt reasonably able to get out of bed before nine o'clock like that's that's serious for me because i'm a real early riser like you know yeah. i normally get up really early and go for me walk well good you on know, you it's been all, all reports the gigs have been fantastic so you've yeah, yeah. Parents thanks man thanks very much and, well, and thanks to everybody out. i'd like to just say I, you know I'm, I'm sure you've got plenty of people that listen to it so i'd like to just take this opportunity to say thanks very much to everybody for their support like i really really appreciate it it's very lonely it's a lonely old road. I'm not looking for I'm not looking for sympathy or nothing, but it is lonely when you're out here on your own. And I've learned so much this time, and I'll know double the amount of people for the next time I come out. And then that's what that's what happens. Like I go to England now, and it's just like a holiday. When I go to England to do my tours and stuff like that, it's great, really, really great. See, it's funny you 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 know you're going to England, you're doing a tour. I mean, I, and I, I was thinking about you talking about Christy Moore. I remember reading about him doing folk clubs in the '60s in England oh. and stuff with and and other people like Davy Graham and and then yeah. people like Dick Gochen and and stuff yeah. like that and just that that sort of circuit that used to exist. And right, he's short, Hamish Emlock, all these Hamish guys. Hamish I've heard so many stories about them, like and so many funny stories. But you're sort of following in that. Yeah. Tradition in a way, right? Do I want to do that? I don't know. I, d- I don't know what I want to do. Like, I've, I've hadn't had any time to stop and think. So mm. I don't know what I want to do, but I'm kind of enjoying it. It's, it's, do you know something about performing? It's a little bit addictive. I don't have an addictive personality or anything like that. Like, I could take or leave a drink or whatever, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I love, if I have any guilty pleasure, it's buying bazookies. But I play them all, yeah. you know, uh, and it's kind of healthy, <laughs> kind of. But the, the getting up on stage and singing these songs that I love for people that genuinely love them back and love listening to them, that's that's what does it for me. I go to any corner, and this is this is a prime example, I go to any corner of the world to do that. Like, So I'm going to Port Fairy now when I finish here with you guys. And I mean, you can't really get too much further away from Ireland than that. Like, I love it. I just love it. Brilliant. Yeah. Is that... Um, um, a lifetime of happiness. Um, that's the title of the album, that's right? The title of it, yeah. So, um, I guess it speaks for itself. Is that? Yeah, it kind of has a couple of different meanings. You know, it's 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 a great one to say if anybody would like a lifetime of happiness instead of saying CD all the time or an album. If anybody would like to purchase a lifetime of happiness, <laughs> well, I have them for sale here for twenty dollars or twenty five dollars or whatever it is, you know. Or, uh, but a lifetime of happiness is what I feel that I've taken from music so far in my life I feel like it's a full it's, I haven't been really playing that long but I feel like it's a full lifetime of happiness that I've had I've, I've I can't remember a time really when I was sad playing music and, and that's what I mean and I've brought I hopefully I've brought so much joy to a certain certain amount of people that's kind of what I mean uh, again I'm brutal at explaining things you know that's why I sing songs I think because it's all there in the song all you have to do is remember the words but I just I love playing music and I love the reactions from people uh, there was actually a lady there last night Nikki was her name and she's a storyteller 
<coughs> she was saying to me that, you know, she was talking to me about the way sometimes not as many people will show up at a gig than another gig, but she'll be saying, just because there's not as many people doesn't mean that the gig was any less special, do you know? And I totally, that's all she had to say. Like, I totally understand. She didn't need to elaborate on that or anything. I totally understand what she was talking about. Uh, there's nights where you go to Ongolian Singers Club and you might sing a song and there'd be only 30 and people or 10 people there. But you could change someone's life. You, can, you really could change people's lives with, with music or what you say into a microphone. Uh, I've had so many people in the last two years come to me and say we've started playing the bazooki because of you which is one of the most ridiculous statements that I've ever heard but you have to you have to take it on board because they did like they, if they said that they started playing bazooki because of me the only thing really I can do is just be totally flattered by it and it, it kind of you, you kind of feel un- I, I, I kind of feel uncomfortable at first but then you just have to let it happen because it's not a lovely thing. Like, yeah. it's not lovely. Somebody, I've started singing. I've started singing lessons, Derry, because, because I heard you singing the Craig and my hair. Like, that's one of the nicest things that somebody could say to you. It's actually making me feel a little bit emotional now, you know. And that's why I still play music because there's people out there that believe in me. Otherwise, I would have just stopped a long time ago, you know. I love it. I so, feel pretty inspired. <laughs> yeah, there you are. That's that's it. That's why I'm here, you know. And uh, that's why I'm here on my own. Anybody else would think I was a madman. Any of those guys that I stood on the corner with in Crumlin, they all they all think I'm mad, like you know. They, and they're probably right, but they don't know. They don't have that in their heart what I have for for music, and they they have it for other things. But them things are all in Crumlin and, and around Dublin. Yeah. Well, mine just takes me everywhere, all over the world. Meets uh, introduces me to people like you guys that I've never met before, and now I've probably got pals for life. Yeah. Do you know that kind of thing? So yeah. That's Would you do us a favour and play us one more? I'll bang you out another one, yeah. Sure. Thanks so much. We'll, I'll end it on that. Um, mm. yeah, make sure you check I know you'll probably only get 10 or 15 brilliant. minutes out of it. But Not like, at yeah. all. But absolutely amazing. Uh, <laughs> that's great. What song do you want me to sing out in particular? You, unless Dominic has something in his mind, but I'll let you. Uh, I don't know what you're feeling, but uh, you know, last night you sang uh, Boogie's Bonnie Bell, mm. and I've not heard that since I listened to it on like. There's a Christy Moore, Jimmy Faulkner album way back. <coughs> Wasn't that just the most beautiful thing that you've ever heard? Oh, loved it. And Jimmy and Faulkner's Lonely. guitar playing on that album. Mm-hmm. Uh, just really... Um... Jimmy Faulkner was a guy in... Now, I didn't know him or anything like that. I've only ever seen videos of him. And I've spoken to people about him. I've spoken to Donald and I've spoken to... No, I haven't spoken to Christy about him. I've spoken to Donald about him. But for me and the way that they explained him to me, he was a guy that what you heard he kind of like John Martin in the sense that what he played is what he was feeling. You could kind of get a sense of what he was feeling inside him by the way that he played. Oh, it was just beautiful what he done. It was on that album, that live album. And there's a couple of songs where if you want to be a real nerd and you listen to them, some of the words and some of the lines are wrong in it. They're still the definitive version of the song. Does that make sense to you? Because, because like, the music was just as beautiful as the singing and the the song choices and everything about it. Like for me, anyway, that's that's probably people going to now pipe up and say, "No, oh, no, we think you're wrong. You're talking through your arse and that." But for, for me, that was one of the albums that made me want to be a musician. The Live in Dublin one, you know, uh, and an, a song in particular, which used to just break me heart was Little Mother. Oh my God, just that song was just so kind of like, it was just kind of so not traditional and it was kind of like more Pink Floyd kind of a vibe or something like that off it, you know, it was just real spacey or something. And I remember hearing that and and Jimmy Faulkner's guitar on that and just going, Christ almighty. So the song on that album that I thought that I would be able to sing and kind of could relate to most when I recorded it was Bogey's Bonnie Bell but like the, you've got so many songs like The Boys of Barnes Rada and this and that like and oh, it's what a great album look I'll shut up and I'll sing this anyway for you <coughs> so Bogey's Bonnie Bell it goes like this
As I roved out by Huntley Town One evening for to fee I met with Boggy O'Kearney And with him I did agree What you care for is two best horses Or cart or harrow or plough Or anything about farm work That I very well should know Well old Boggy had a daughter And her name it was Isabel was the lily of the valley and the primrose of the dell and when she went to walking oh she took me along for a guide down by the barn oh for to watch the small fish glide And when three months they were past and gone, this girl, she lost her bloom. And the red it fell from her rosy cheeks, and her eyes, they began to swoon. And then another six months they were past and gone, and she bore to me a son. And I was straight sent for to see what couldn't be done. Well, I said that I would marry her, oh, but no, this wouldn't do. For you're no match for the bunny we lass, and she's no match for you. And now she's married to a tinker lad Who comes frae Huntley Town Sells pots and pans and paraffin lamps And he scours the country all round And maybe if she's had a better match Old body, he can he tell well, me boys, oh, Huntley Town, and to Bogie's Bonnie Bell. That was a hoot. He's some boy. <laughs> Uh, brilliant! Uh, so so great of Derry to take the time on his way. He was going from Geelong down to Port Ferry, and he just stopped off at our house. And he was so sick too. He like he Actually, sounds he great. Was, he on, was really on suffering. He was so suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he hadn't even had a drink in in his whole time over here. I think he had one beer. Poor fella. Yeah, what a great what a great chat. So. Um, I've he's he's actually made me go back and listen again to the magnificently named. The Pursuit of Farmer Michael Hayes, which he talks about in there, which is from the Planks Day album After the Break. And it's it's a long track. It's I actually like a, think that would have been the It's a long narrative ballad, but it's it's great. You know? I think that would have been the name of the podcast had it not been already named. I love that title. There's also um, there's a there's a phrase in it where um, Mar- Michael Hayes, he, he kills a land. I think he kills a landlord, you know, and uh, there's a phrase in it where he's running away from the dogs and he says, I give them all leg bill. Have you ever heard that leg nah, bill? Leg bill. I give them all leg bill. I don't know what that. We might I know what stick it means. a link. We'll you stick just... a link to that in the uh, in the show notes. Yeah, we can get a link to it. Yeah, yeah. Let's organise that. Um, look, as usual, I'm going to ask you for the favour. Here we go again. It's I can see Dom rolling his eyes. Like with the five star reviews and written reviews uh, are what we're going to live and die on. Please mm. just get in there. Give us a review. Even if even if you have to give us a review that says, "Dear Darren, please stop asking for five star <laughs> reviews." 
Darren's yeah. request for five star reviews, four stars. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. No, it makes a huge yes. difference for us. So make sure you uh, go back and give it some reviews on the ones maybe you haven't done too. It all helps. It really does. Right. I'm eternally grateful. You'll you'll go to somewhere up, up down. I, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Thanks for listening. See you later. I'm gonna eat um, an apple. Please get give Dominic and Darwin five stars. <laughs>